0: Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Good, the Bad, and the Nerdy Movie Podcast. I'm your host, Tom. With me again today is Bruce. Hi, Tom. What have you done to me? Oh, no. I know. So, folks, um, we've been doing our series on the Coen Brothers, and almost every single Coen Brothers movie is good. However, occasionally they make something that I don't know if it got out of their control Maybe they just wanted a cash cow. I don't really know. But in this particular case, we're doing the rare bad Coen Brothers movie. And we're talking about from uh, 2005, starring Tom Hanks, of all people, the Lady Killers.
1: So I'll just say from the beginning that they didn't bring in the usual suspects here. Like, there's so few of their long, big collaborators in this film. And maybe that's part of the problem. Uh, I also read that they weren't really, this was really a script for hire that was going to be directed elsewhere. And then they were brought onto the project late as directors. Uh, They'd been screenwriters. And that could also have something to do with it. Uh, Or they just could really suffer from not staying in their lane. I'm not sure what happened here.
0: Yeah. uh, So this had happened before. Prior to this, they'd done Intolerable Cruelty which is another case where they wrote a screenplay and it kind of floated around with different people looking to direct it. Finally they decided they would direct it simply cuz they wanted the script to be made. And that mm-hmm. one's okay. I've never said it's bad, but it's it's in this is a weird period for them. Like starting with the man who wasn't there, they start doing these more I don't call them, I know some people love the man who wasn't there. I'm kind of on the it's okay and this is a what I call their okay trilogy. So The man who wasn't there, intolerable cruelty, and then probably the lowest of their creative uh, spurt, which is the Lady Killers. And this is a weird one in that it's a remake. Now, they've done another remake. They did True Grit later on, but they didn't really remake the John Wayne version. They just made a new version of the original novel. This is a weird case where this was a kind of a popular but now at this point cult British comedy with Alec Guinness and Peter Sellers and and several British – stars of the 50s. So, they decide they're going to remake this film, and believe it or not, they get the one of the biggest stars in the world, Tom Hanks, to take the lead. Now, any director will be like, yay, I got Tom Hanks, I'm going to get funding. And, you know, Disney, you know, this is a touchstone film, Disney finances film. What they made was definitely a strange film that a lot of these jokes do not land.
1: No. Um, I, I think honestly like there is a lot of water under the bridge from the fifties to the, the, to the two thousands and that water flowed in directions that this script could not keep up with.
0: And Agreed. That's a
1: big deal here, especially like now I don't know the British uh, piece, but where'd they set that? Like the choice of setting the choice of uh, cultural touchstones to embed this in and Like having, so, I mean, was the direction, Tom Hanks, we'd like you to be sort of like a nervous Colonel Sanders parody. Was that his direction? I mean, uh, as much as I'm unfair to the man about, you know, his, his dearth of talent, I will say this one. In this particular instance, I didn't just go, it's Tom Hanks being everyman. So fair enough. Tom Hanks can be everyman, can be on cocaine and funny, or he can be awful and about as funny as gonorrhea.
0: And this particular case, he's playing a character as much as most Coen brothers' characters are. Weird outfits, unusual talking, shady. So it's, you know, and then we should point out, Coen brothers love making movies about dumb criminals. I mean, all of their films at some point have some kind of bizarre criminal element to them. And it's kind of a uh, case where I don't know if they were, what they were trying to accomplish. Now, I've said before this film may have suffered from some bad casting decisions. Ironically, I don't think Tom Hanks is the problem. I think it's most of his gang is the problem. And what's interesting, as I was rewatching this, you know, today and re-watching another day because I was like, I need to watch this a couple times, see if there's something I'm just not getting. I realized something. If this is their attempt to do something more episodic, which they've done kind of in the past, but when you see a movie like The Ballad of Buster Scruggs, which came out a couple years ago by them. That straight up was episodic. Like each, It was like little short films after one after another. This film could have gone that way, and I feel like that's how the script started. Like, we're going to tell these weird, you know, stories about these weird southern characters. Well, but the first
1: 20 minutes of the film suffer horribly because there's literally no cohesion or hint of cohesion to come. None. None. Absolutely.
0: Absolutely. And I agree that's the problem. It's like they wrote ideas for characters Decided to film them, and then they were like, well, okay, well, now we got to have them be this gang, and it's not exactly a good stretch. Now, I mean, I-, I think some of that is from the original British comedy, but once again, some things don't translate as well over time. Now, uh, I mean, there are some stupid characters. That, you know, the football player, I get he's supposed to be this dumb jock who's not really cl- – who's kind of clumsy – not you know this is basically his best goal is to try to be a, a uh, robber and you know we should point out the plot of this film is Tom Hanks the character who's this bizarre professor but he's probably just lying he, he's just a really weird con artist has rented a room that has a basement from this you know elderly African American lady played by Irma Hall and she actually is very good in this film I will give her credit she actually she, she plays, plays it
1: very very thoroughly and well her her work is is good. Uh, yeah. There's nothing to be said bad about the performance. Um, I mean, she's playing a stock character, but, you know, that's that's she's what played, she's doing. She's
0: played worse stock characters before, and this is a case where the Coen's let her pretty much do what she needed to do. So I give credit to them. They let her character be very dominant, which is how this film should be. I think the British one, it wasn't an angry lady. It was just like a timid old lady. So I think it's another case for like British humor versus American humor. So she's very angry. He rents her, he rents a room in her house because underneath her house is a very old root cellar that is close to the vault of a riverboat casino. Now, if you're thinking this is like an Ozark scenario, like the show Ozark, it's not, but this does predate Ozark by a long time. So I don't know if they stole some ideas from this movie and made it right. But, so we're dealing with essentially, you know, Riverboat casinos which, you know, they're okay. If you've ever been on a Riverboat casino, you know, it's not the prestige, you know, people who go hit Riverboat casinos are just looking for some low-rent gambling. It's not Vegas, it's not even Reno, it's not even Atlantic City. But if you live in that area, it's great for some fun, you know. It's kind of like an Indian casino but sometimes shadier. So he rents it cuz his plan is he and a team are going to tunnel in to rob this casino of a certain amount of cash, and he assembles this weird group. You know, one's a demolitions expert for movies. That's, you know, that's another case of good casting, bad dialogue.
1: Yeah, you know. I don't know. Uh, J.K. Simmons. Um, every bit of del- every line delivered made me wince. Like literally everything. It was not. It who's trying to well I'll, I'll just say this. this is one where all of the timing is off. Exactly. every everything is a half beat early or late or somehow magically both. It's just never on the mark to make it funny. Tom Hanks's patter. If you had a stopwatch on it and compared it to the pattern oh Brother Where Art Thou, in theory, it's approaching the same velocity and the same verbosity, but it's not landing. It is not landing, and I don't know if that's just because Hanks can't master it, or it just wasn't as well written, or what have you. Um, I, I lean toward the writing because, again, if you use Clooney in O Brother delivering the lines and then you go to what's intolerable cruelty, which has some of that banter in it, he's not nearly as good. So I think it really is the writing and direction and the actor. I mean, I'm sure there are actors who just can't approach that kind of vaguely 40s film banter vaguely highfalutin language of the period uh you know um definitely a little Faulkner tint to it yeah uh, but 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 that language is hard and it worked in O Brother very very well and it didn't work here at all uh,
0: yeah and they you know they've addressed Faulkner in Barton Fink so it's kind of a case where you know they're fans of Faulkner and F. Scott Fitzgerald so there's a certain you know Certain way of the you know, the cones like to write this case. I, I think it's agreed that this is probably a case of editing and direction as much as the script. Because I think I don't know if these are they if they got their best takes and tried their best with it, or they simply I wouldn't say phoned it in, but I think there's a point where they may have just not put any effort in this film. Did not get a major release, they did not do a lot of inf- you know press, they did more press for intolerable cruelty. Kind of hinting there, uh, pointing out they had already made this. They shot this film very quickly. They shot in Talba Cruelty and Lady Killers back-to-back in a short amount of time. And I wonder if that was another factor. Because by shooting this movie quickly, maybe they just didn't get what they were looking for. Now, they're notorious for shooting quick if they can. And I... Now, I will say is There's some camera work that's really good like there's some really neat camera work i don't you know they always are very good about
1: that. okay again barton fink is similar in the fact that that everything has that little tinge of surreal to it um i don't know that it worked as well here no i would not call
0: surreal there's no surrealness in here it's kind of a it feels like a tribute to you know those bad you know, and I wouldn't call it you know, like. There's good Marx Brothers comedies, and there's their later ones, which are okay. It's kind of in that style. Of these-
1: yeah, but they didn't play the slapstick right. Like even no, they that didn't. had terrible timing. Like it was just. I, I think that they didn't have a clear path to their humor. First of all, slapstick and dark humor are hard wedding to them together. Um, I, I'll say this: like uh, a film that riffed on some of the same themes. Um, that succeeds or arguably, I know there are people who loathe it is like the blues brothers.
0: Absolutely. So, I mean, I agree. The blues brothers is, I would call one of the great true comedy musicals of all time. There's right. And it's because Belushi, Ackroyd and John Lannis knew how to nail that stuff. You know, I've done another podcast where we talked about how insane the original script was that Dan Aykroyd wrote. And it was like drastically pared down. By mm-hmm. John Landis, he's like, you know, cut, 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 cut. Let's shorten this down. We don't need all these sequences, we can do it in one or two sequences. We, you know, and that's a case where by cutting it down and making it tighter and tighter, it got better. Yep, I don't like, know if they, I, I, I wonder if they did, they cut too much.
1: Maybe, I don't know. This film, though, here's what I'll say it's an inversion of the Blues Brothers, where you have two near who take on the good thing and do the good thing in a ridiculous slapstick as bad as possible approach to doing the right thing as possible and get away with it until the moment they've done it. And then they suffer. This is doing the bad thing for the good person. While the good protected person by the spirit of husband or, or, or God themselves uh, is, is there. And you could invert this. You could absolutely invert it, but you need to home alone it a little bit. Like they have to have uh, like good inter inter uh, inter party banter. They have to have uh good expression, and they just don't. And the characters are all wooden yeah. and awful. Um, Marlon Wayans looks embarrassed most of the time. I mean, sometimes his language is funny because it is at such odds with other people in this film. But I also just gotta say, like, uh, all right, and again. The blues Brothers, a couple of white dudes, uh, th- um, setting themselves up to go into blues culture. And, you know, there's on the surface of that not a lot of difference between these couple of white dudes going into, uh, you know, uh, gospel music and making the case for the sincerity of that. But you're doing that and you're yet throwing in two throwaway, quote, hoodlums that could have come right out of 90s scare literature from Clinton. You know, um, and, and not even making it clear how that scene resolves when you're establishing the general as what kind of weird uh, character, yeah. I don't even know, embarrassing, stereotypical thing. Um, it, it's it's just all terrible. Yeah. Um, I mean, like not... the,
0: the, the scene with the cr- – okay, when the two you know African-American crooks ro- try to rob the donut shop. They're about it, they're very stereotypical. And then you have the Korean, you know, lady who's run, she starts screaming in Korean, And then her husband, who is part of, who later becomes part of the gang with his Hitler esque mustache, he just shoves two fingers up a guy's nose. I don't and know it, if they're trying to play tribute to a fish called Wanda with that gag, but it's like, quickly, like, oh, that's the way to scare these guys off. It's like, you know, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it's so bad. The, she throws coffee in the guy's face. So that's like, a gag from Fast Times at on High. It's you know. I wonder if this is a case where they wanted to pay tribute to stuff they loved from the '80s. But once again, those gags only work because of that time period and who was working with it. Now right. you know when you get to 2005.
1: Oh, and 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 let's just be clear: in 2005, uh, making Bob Jones University who is fleecing an African American woman from her of her money, like that, is not a punchline of any. Like, that's, that's a, that was a bad, that's not a 2021 versus 1990, or even then, frankly, Bob Jones University has been as racist as all fuck for its entire history. And nowhere in the world do you make your pro, you know, nearest to the best character, African American woman, and like sending her money to these fuck all racist retards. Like, oh God, I said that word. Cut that word. That was the worst Piece of my own little piece of baggage. No, 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 ever. no.
0: That stays in because you and I are kind of hitting the thing. You know, Bob Jones University uh, well, that shouldn't is use a that very word. It's
1: ableist bullshit, but still, like, uh, and I apologize for using that word, but it's still just like as backward as possible to put Bob Jones University in a good light anywhere.
0: Yeah, it's a you know, for those of in a, in other countries who are listening, and we know we have listeners in other countries. Bob Jones University is a very traditional Christian school. It has a very specific following because of some televangelist ties to it. So if somebody is a big a watcher of televangelist, they, they think forbid, Jones, in- quote, like interracial
1: dating until the 90s, yes, they are a horrible, horrible segregationist throwback institution. There is nothing redeeming in that,
0: which is so weird. She would be obsessed with that. But that kind of shows the idea she's this very almost too conservative Christian that She doesn't seem to care about the their shady, horrific, racist. That's what I'm saying, though,
1: is that like all of the uh, the the African American community of Mississippi are portrayed as being uneducated, naive, um, and uh, indifferent to it, and uh, swindled. Uh, And I mean, probably there's some history to that. Like, in the period they're looking at, which I guess is the 80s, yeah. I wouldn't doubt that there were some African Americans swindled by Bob Jones University hiding behind a Bible. But, like, it's not a punchline you pull forward. It's not something you do without making it obviously bad. I mean, I don't understand that in the slightest. I don't know if they just didn't know like literally they just didn't know or how could they not have you know done the due diligence to be like at the time there were literally headlines about that these guys and their misuse of funds and I mean it's just a terrible decision.
0: Yeah and it's so weird because it's a gag that doesn't translate if people don't even know who Bob Jones about Bob Jones University. It's a really it's such a strange decision to do that. I mean, you almost jokingly if they picked you know that, but there's so many other Universities, or th- I mean, she said she wanted to give it to you know Jimmy Swagger. That gag would have actually worked land a little bit better. It's such a well, that got- would have
1: made her out to be more of a dupe, though. And I, I, again, I just why didn't she just give it to her little church right there?
0: Yeah, that's, I mean, that's what should have
1: happened. It would have been other, better. That little, little church thing. is represented as sincere and good, and has no tarnish on it in the in the in the film, and you know, I mean, in the reality of the film, it has no tarnish. They ha- that community has no tarnish on it. And why do you make this other choice, uh, except to make her out to be a dupe? And why why do you do that? Yeah, I... uh, it, it's offensive. I mean, I I just think it's an offensive choice. Um, that's not really. Like an accidental offensive, like mine a minute ago, where I just used a word from my youth that's still in my DNA somehow, and I should know better, um, and I do know better, and I apologize again. But like, it's just so bloody backward and infuriating. Um, so I, I'm sh- I'm a bit ashamed ashamed of the Coens on this one. Like, I think I'd like to hear them uh, express some regrets. Um, likewise, just putting a character like Tom Hanks's amongst african-american people is also just highly bloody questionable well i, <laughs> I mean, mean but- admittedly he's a he's a villain and a buffoon so fine maybe but like it's still bad
0: well if you think about that also he's had a lot of movies where he's had you know like bubba in forrest gump philadelphia with denzel washington you know like they all he, he they try to pair him always with you know he, he likes to work with african-american actors you know like You've got mail. He's got Dave Chappelle as his best friend. You know, it's it's kind of a weird recurring gag. And I almost wonder if that's part of the thing. They wanted to play off his, his persona all, as well. So I get if they're trying to invert that a little bit. But once again, it's these gags don't really work unless you really have to think about it. Which, And even then, if you think about it, it's, you're either going to kind of laugh or like, what were they thinking? Uh, so, I mean, we got to deal with the plot. So the idea is that so he puts his gang together. Most of them don't get along as your typical, you know, heist movie goes or they're and they're all kind of buffoons. They're all wanting to double deal each other. They successfully robbed the casino. But the um, and by the way, they're keeping this roost that they're playing church music in the basement. So the old lady finds out that they've, you know, they've robbed or at least she's found they're up to something. You know, I can't, you know, that they, they got this money. She wants them to give it to Bob Jones University. So they decide they're going to kill her. And no, of no, course- she wants
1: she wants them to give it back and go to yeah. church at first, which I found less problematic yeah. than the actual receiving of the money by Bob Jones University at the end. Uh, her 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 first answer is she's almost she's almost fooled, but uh, a look at the portrait of her of her deceased husband brings her to her senses, and she demands that they return the money and repent uh, by going to church. And if they did that, she won't turn them in. Uh, so she's willing to give them a chance at repentance, which actually I, I I found that to be a wonderful demand. I thought that one that that phrasing and that work was good, uh, or at least a good point, a good beat in the script. I don't know if it's still not a funny movie at that point.
0: No, but um, it's good character work.
1: Yeah. I, I thought that was, and the incomprehensibility of that to them of like, you want us to give it back and go to church? Uh, yeah, that might be the funniest thing that Hanks delivers the whole time is he's like, what? No, uh, it's it's not that. And it's not
0: give it back, it's a go to church? You, you yep. get the idea. It's the church part, he's less, I mean, he gets the vibe, okay, we may have to give it back. I, he gets that. That's not that, you know, that's not that implausible. He's probably factored that in. It's like, if we get caught, we can try to return it and they'll you know, the casino won't press charges because, you know, they figured out a flaw in the casino's bank, you know, and that's the thing, you know, you know, sometimes guys will but rob yeah. casinos and then rant. you know, agree to give it back for a cut. You know, that's, yeah. that's something he probably factored in like, Well, well we get caught. We'll ransom it back to the casino. But this particular case, we got to go to church. He's like, no, no, no. So there is that recurring, there's that gag, which I think we all agree kind of works. So then we have the plot. They're going to try to kill her. And as this keeps going, like each one of them screws up the attempt to kill her and get themselves killed. And there's this recurring gag where they have to go to this bridge where this barge, garbage barge, yeah, you know, goes by every night at midnight and they dump a body in a trash can and trash bag onto this specific barge every single time. And, once again the gag is okay but each time the death gets more and more ridiculous mm-hmm. and it's, it's getting more it, predictable
1: yeah and i'm i'm just um and and, and again everything and I, I you know he's a capable actor but everything jk simmons is given to do in this film is terrible like it, you know he's being you know look more like you're crapping your pants was a direction given to him at some point and you know, being, I guess, uh, you know, a professional, he made the attempt, but no, nothing about that is is the slightest bit
0: good. Yeah, we should J.K. Simmons, Oscar-winning actor, always great, tends to steal scenes he's in. This one, he, he's got, you know, he's got like a weird affectation as well. He's got this weird girlfriend he's constantly talking about who shows up, and she's basically like, I want my cut, because he's told her everything. He's got the dog, which is a recurring gag and that doesn't work. And it's like, you know, this gang is not, you know, they're all stock characters that don't really land. And so I don't know if he was just thinking, okay, well, I'm just going to play him like I play the voice of the Eminem character I play, because that's kind of how he's talking. He's talking like the peanut Eminem that he's, you know, recurringly recording. And maybe that might've worked. But once again, it's a. I think we agree. The script and the editing does not help him,
1: right? And I, I get that they're trying to make him into. Uh, there's a. There's a weird. He, that character has the most depth, in a certain sense, in that he's got an actual backstory that we get to understand, unlike everybody else, where he came to the South like you know in a. Uh, a white knight fantasy with the freedom riders and possibly did some good, who knows, but that that's like literally what he's banked on the whole rest of the time he's in the South to the point of being, you know, essentially a little bit uh, committing uh, not even micro aggressions around it. Uh, I get it. Uh, I get it that they're making a, la- a lampoon of that, but it's not a very effective lampoon. Yeah. It's a boomer. And it doesn't Dad. really, it doesn't really mesh with the rest of the character
0: yeah it's very much a gag about boomers who are have this oh, I was so important in the sixties and now I'm not right and, you know, but it, like it, this, it, well, it,
1: yeah, it just sits there and but literally, like, none of the rest of them have a past before the first moment we saw them on the screen. Um, we don't understand a bloody thing about the lead. uh Tom Hanks's character, the professor. Is just there, and it's assumed we all know he's a no, he's a no good Nick because of the outfit. I mean, I don't know. It doesn't explain. They met. There's a throwaway line about they they add add, add they answered an ad in the paper. To, that's how he found this crew of people. I'm like what? The, admittedly, kind of a funny throwaway moment there, but literally that's all the backstory and why and and or maybe why not? Like I would love to know what was supposed to be where this sits. Uh, I mean, it didn't even have the benefit of like if the, the benefit of the, ra- the, the first 20 minutes should have been like the Raising Arizona montage. Exactly. Okay. It should have, cause you caught those characters in it. You caught them in it. Whereas you just didn't catch any of these characters. Um, the, the best, the second best bit of development is Marlon Wayne's character, uh, following a woman in tight pants. Um, which you know he works that scene it's funny uh but but like literally there's nothing else to suggest anything else about these characters i guess uh Wayne's character gets some development moments before his demise uh but there that's it that's literally it um and it's it's a, it's a lot weaker for it like you just get no sense of any they they're so wooden all the lines are terrible um and 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 Tom Hanks I'll say this uh, one I just need to say a general thing uh Mr. Hanks recently did I believe an op-ed uh explaining uh some some needs and some problems with um you know the white institutional power involved in filmmaking and uh you know it, it didn't suck uh it probably didn't go far enough that's the commentary I've heard from uh, you know some reactions but you know uh it, heart in the right heart in the right place yeah. uh there but what I'll say is um He's even trying in this film, I think, to make this lampoon land on, you know, villainy, but it's feckless villainy and it's weird. And it's uh, I I just don't know what what he was told to do, much less what he was trying to do, much less what happened here. Um, And I this is one of the few times where I'll say. Uh, Hanks may have had no ability to make this right. I think on the page, it was just a confused mess. Uh, not that I have a lot of faith that Hanks could have made anything right. You know, Hanks is in fact a hack, but, um, you know, I don't think that even a brilliant actor could have done this.
0: So, um, I have a feeling that they had written this with certain other actors in mind. Tom Hanks came on board, wanted to do this. And they're like, okay, we'll try it with him. You know, if this had been... John Turturro or Nicolas Cage or even Jeff Bridges, I think there, there are certain mannerisms that might have worked. It's uh, And I also feel like you know if they'd offered Hanks the part uh, that J.K. Simmons had and they swapped, that may also have worked. Either. Donald so
1: Sutherland from Buffy the Vampire Slayer, maybe.
0: Exactly. Like It's possible that they had planned for somebody else when Tom Hanks jumped on. They're like, okay, we'll try it with Tom Hanks. And also, Tom Hanks is like I've always wanted to do a movie with the Coen Brothers. Not a bad, not a bad idea. It's like you know, I you can, like a lot of people want to work with the Coen Brothers. You know, they've had Paul Newman in movies. They've had. Tim Robbins, they've had George Clooney Yeah,
1: but by 2005 Again, he's as funny as gonorrhea And I'm not talking about gonorrhea in the abstract Or that it's a funny word, I'm talking about Your personal gonorrhea Is never funny, and that's where he is now There was not enough cocaine left on movie sets In 2005 for
0: Tom Hanks To be funny And it's weird, because we should point out This sort of starts a Kind of rough patch for him Artistically also so I think it's a kind of a weird case where the Cohens were in a in a down phase, and this started a real down phase for Hanks. Now I should point out every now and then he'll make something really good that's successful, like like Captain Phillips. He actually there's some really good stuff he does in that one. And well, don't
1: I'll, get me started on that one again. That that that's a terrible film.
0: Well, like I said, you, you and I have disagreements about that one, but the point me is he tries. He, he stops doing commies and goes more straight. Serious stuff, right. like, okay, He just I,
1: defied, decides to stay in Hack Lane down d- down yeah. to Hack Bank.
0: Like if Steven Spielberg needs him, he'll do that. If you know, he's like, okay, I, and he's doing this bit where I'm going to try to work with every acclaimed director available. And so this is like one of these cases. Like, okay, I want to work with the Coen Brothers. They made this weird movie with me as the lead, and it just didn't work. You know, he's he never talks about this movie. Like he loves talking about all. You know, he'll talk about turning hoots all the time. He doesn't talk about this film, so I don't know if this is the case where nobody liked the, the the final product, nobody enjoyed the shoot. I don't know. You think he would, you know, find something quirky to talk about? We don't see much of him ever um, talking about this. They didn't do much press about this film. It was a very kind of. I think everyone agreed that we're gonna put it out. If it makes money, great. If it doesn't make money, we know why. And I am now not-
1: googling Tom Hanks bachelor party Ooh. interview. Um, to see how what he has to say about that. Yeah, well, he, he doesn't talk
0: about Bachelor Party all the time. I've I've seen him inside the actor studio talk about Bachelor Party. You know, it's another case where he doesn't mind talking about the, you know, the more embarrassing things you would think of his career. This one he never talks about.
1: Do not insult that fine film.
0: Hey, you know, uh, I, I love I love the donkey.
1: No, it's not a fine film.
0: I, I was being facetious. Yeah, I, I know that's the point. It's like bachelor party is another one. You'd be like, man, why did he make that? But he got paid pretty good for it. Um,
1: that one worked in the way that all of those '80s comedies that should yeah. never have been made worked.
0: Yeah, '80s. I mean, if we ever did a series on '80s sex comedies, it'd be bad, 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 bad. Maybe one nerdy.
1: Lost you there for a second. You still there?
0: Yeah, I'm still here. As I said, you know, if it's an '80s comedy, if we ever did a series on '80s comedies, it'd be. Bad, 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 maybe one nerdy film, bad, 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 no good. I mean, it's... They're all bad. They're yeah, all bad. I mean... They're,
1: it's, they're, they're it's, nothing, the Porky's, Revenge of the Nerds era, no. It's just no. There's just yeah, nothing they, there.
0: Like, they barely were, they were barely okay in 1985. By, you know, 1995, no. By, you know, it's like, it's bad if it's not good by the mid-90s, which hadn't gotten that progressive yet, Yeah. And
1: Animal House, which sort of started it all, uh, benefited from just John Belushi's star power and energy, but it's still a bad film. And it's still a film that really is an embarrassment, you know, on an ethical level uh, to realize just how backward it is. Uh, But I will say, you know, you just have energy and star power there carrying the thing.
0: Oh, great. I mean, that's another case where... It was written to have the entire cast of Saturday Night Live and you know we talked about that also in another podcast with me and Frank Murphy where we broke down who was supposed to be in the movie and that was supposed to be the entire SNL cast.
1: Mm-hmm. They
0: they didn't agree to it except for Belushi and Belushi basically does carry that film. You know, there are good people in it and the gags are funny, but they are very dated. You know, a lot of it's very misogynistic. It would does it would not be okay in a lot of other decades stuff they get away with in that film. So, but here's another case where these gags do not work. They didn't work in 2005. They still don't work in 2020, 2021.
1: Oh, they they actually have, in fact, aged badly, which is impressive considering I don't think, it, you know, I, everything I've read is that, you know, mixed reviews is a kindness. Somehow it made money, which I will never understand how bad films make money and good films don't. Uh, that's uh, like uh, so common in just the work we've done together here on the podcast. Where I'm like, I would have thought this film with its you know well regard and history and book, oh, it made pennies or or lost money. And here, Lady Killers doubled their uh, doubled their production, which means they probably actually turned money, given the way they they fake these numbers. But still, it still made like it didn't hurt, it didn't kill, and that's probably why it didn't put a nail in the coffin of their career. Because at the end of the day, the film earned.
0: Yeah, and the thing is, we should point out. Tom Hanks usually gets twenty million dollars for movies. Like he agreed to do it for like the barest minimal pot. He didn't even ask for what they call grosses because sometimes he'll ask for percentage of the grosses. He agreed to work for this movie for less than a hundred thousand dollars because he wanted to do the movie. So I give him credit. He's like, I want to do this movie. I don't want it to be big budget. I want to make it as low budget as possible. I'll work for nothing because I don't need the money. And I give him credit. He's like, I want to experiment. Try something with the Coen brothers. It didn't. Wa- None of it worked. And I think we should, like I said, I don't know what was going on. Like the Coen brothers will occasionally make a weird film that doesn't completely work. This one was off the, off the charts. Well, but
1: when you look at that, like I'll go with Barton Fink on that one. Barton Fink didn't make a ton of money. I don't know who even broke even. I could look that up, but I don't want to delay you by clicking on my keyboard. Uh, But it, and I don't think it was very well regarded because it was dark humor of a very quirky variety, but within that space, it worked great. But is it going to be popular? Probably not. Is no, it Bart- fun for most people to watch? Probably not.
0: Well, we'll cover Barton Fink uh, later on in this, in this series, but Barton Fink's another case where that was a, as we talked about Miller's crossing, they got so writer's block in the middle of Miller's crossing. They took time off, wrote Barton Fink, which is about a, a writer with uh, r- a writer's block came back and figured out how to com- how to make Miller's Crossing which is as we both agreed one of the best written scripts of all time.
1: Mm-hmm. So yeah, no I mean I'm saying Barton Fink is good. It's just only good if you're going to like it. Like it's it's, yeah, it's in a very one. narrow slice of flavor and if you're going to like it you're going to love it and you've got that Barton Fink feeling. If you don't, you're not. But this film isn't that. I don't know anybody who would love this one. I, I, I stretch to find any real reason like anybody should watch it. It should be consigned to the depths. Yeah,
0: I recently read some critics who have gone back at it and talked about it. It's a film more about, you know, th- there seems to be a lot of themes of like, you know, karma and, you know, uh, and kind of retribution. So I, I get that there are themes that they were probably trying to go for. You know, the idea is they all keep randomly getting killed. And at the very end, we should point out, Tom Hanks' character gets killed trying to dump another body uh, and he automatically just gets dropped into the same...
1: Uh, oh, know. no, no. It's definitely kismet, to use yes. that word uh, badly, I'm sure, but like just to imply a vague overlap of Judeo-Christian karmic concepts. It yes. is absolutely... Uh, although, honestly, I'll say no. It, it, it even breaks that, and it breaks that in a glaring way. And I didn't know the the end of the film. So I was very much expecting that this film, and I think it would have been a better film, if uh what was his name? Lump, uh the dumb guy, yeah, whose joke is that he's a dumb guy, who realizes that it's wrong, if he had shot Tom Hanks, thrown him off the thrown him off the bridge, which I would have just enjoyed seeing. Um, and then the next scene you see him sitting in the church under the tutelage of Ms. Munson that would have been a great ending for the film is that the dumb, the, the big dumb uh, white kid learns to be good when he was really just too dumb. And that's the only reason he was involved.
0: Exactly. Uh, he was that would have been
1: yeah. a, a better ending. I, I just find that to be in every way, a better ending than a random bit of Deus ex machina where a thing that, you know, at least they did check gun, that ugly thing, a bunch falls on Tom Hanks. And then he just, poetically pirouettes to his very well-timed death. Uh, I think that absolutely, if it had turned out that the big dumb kid just decided to go, and it would have inverted the trope of like, uh, what was that horrible movie uh, where there was a big uh, African-American football player and Nicole Kidd Radio. You, or whatever that horrible thing is. It would have literally flipped that and had the big dumb white boy raised by the kindly, ethical, and, and good uh African American woman. That would have been better. And I would have I, uh, I oh, was I literally I stunned. Side, yeah. yeah, the blind side. I was literally stunned that it didn't do that. Because I thought it was clearly telegraphing to that point.
0: Well, I mean It's so weird once again. We're talking about a film where everything just doesn't work, but yet we've been talking about this for almost 40 minutes, which is another thing we should point out. When we talk about Coen Brothers movies, there's so much weirdness to talk about, even in their failures.
1: it's an ambitious thing in a weird way. Like I get that there's other films. There's literally a direct predecessor. There's probably homage and shots that I don't understand. There's probably like something, you know, about 10 inspirations. The Wikipedia article tries to explain that, that there's another Faulkner character uh, involved in Tom Hanks, performance and blah, blah, blah. And I get it. Like guys, you guys, you know, the Coens are more erudite than I will ever hope to be. And they layer in a lot, but, like, like you just can't layer, yeah, like that that doesn't give you a souffle
0: <laughs> and, and there's another thing I think that they really bombed on was they said it in present day, if they said it in a different time period, I think it might have actually landed better by saying it in like present day America. But they did
1: put it back. They put it back, you know, to the 30 years after MLK is what, 98? For some reason, they shoved it back seven years, a la Fargo. But it was a lot less interesting seven year shove back. 90 some odd to 89 or 88 or whatever. There's like an era boundary there, but this didn't really. Like, late 90s to early aughts is a weird... Well, that's another conversation we could have in a different context. We're sort of in the end of decadal history uh, because of the way media has fragmented. There's just not a strong sense of the aughts versus now or the late... Like, the 90s for the last decade is the way I've heard it phrased.
0: Yeah, as we... I hate to say, post-9-11, culture kind of hit a weird... We're never going to really try new stuff. We're just kind of... We're kind of in a societal churn
1: so um i actually will give you the focus on that that i i would bring to it and this is so off topic but why not we're having fun um it's actually the lack of unitary mass media it's the fact that there aren't cultural touchstones that get Wide exposure cross group. Um, the, 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 the diversification of entertainment, it started with cable and 500 channels, but now the internet and all the streaming services. Uh, if you want to spend your days in Coen Brothers movies, you don't have to pay attention to anything happening right now. And more and more people are making their choice of avoiding current cultural touchstones for whatever reason. I mean, you still get some things like Mad Men kind of became a talking point. The Mandalorian with a nerd nerd sects did. Um, But like it is a bare shadow of what would have been the water cooler talk in the 1970s and 80s about, you know, all in the family exactly or about about um for that matter Night rider has more penetration and and more humans saw it than anything being done in you know a netflix space right now
0: yeah i mean well fun- the vast
1: majority they have a couple of standouts
0: yeah i mean it should be a point on like a show like the office didn't do well on ratings but you know became obsessive because of how many people been watched it on shows like on Netflix or on Hulu. So, I mean, but it's,
1: it's not temporal anymore. There's not the, the early aughts were the office they were, but they're not really because it's timeless it's just unbounded by time and, and it can just keep happening yeah. i know people who the office is on speed dial i personally watch fargo once every couple of weeks if not once a week sometimes and i don't know why uh it's just an interesting point we're living in anyway yeah. um i i digressed but
0: no that's the point i think we, and this film doesn't work because it's trying for things that, you know as i said if they'd said it in the 60s Then there's another weird, then there's some weird, you know, social commentary they could explore. There's some, you know, the, maybe the dialogue would be a little more unique. I don't know. It's, it's weird because, you know, later on when they make a movie like A Serious Man, they set it in 1967. You know, like, they do better when they're in different periods than they do in present day most of the time. Like, Fargo worked because they set it in, you know, in that weird part of the 80s in a snowbound, you know, area. It's like, there are certain details that, you know, they really, you know, latch onto when you have a movie, like, but then, but then again, and you like no country for Old men, 1980 it's.
1: (sighs) So they have a feel for some places and times. And I think they have an enthusiasm for a place and times or certain things that they didn't know. Like the the 50, I kind of want to watch the fifties version of this film and I kind of don't because I would like to see what they were trying to do, at least somewhat, like what they were trying to riff. But I think they probably ought to have left it wherever that film is set. I think yeah. throwing it forward messed it up a lot, to yeah. the
0: point. Yeah, and they are, but we should point out, the original is, uh, both these films are available on Amazon Prime, so if you have Prime, you can watch them both. Literally, it'll recommend them both back-to-back. So it's... <laughs> It's a uh, unique kind of. Once again, you know, we're talking, say, Alec Guinness versus Tom Hanks. Very different acting styles. Very different physical, uh, you know, performances. I've always said people will talk Alec Guinness is like Star Wars. Like, no, go watch Kind Hearts and Cornets. One of the bizarrest comedies where he plays nine different characters, and it's you know a brilliant performance by him where you see him basically. It's kind of it's another dark black comedy where he's getting killed constantly that is that's a sort of you know kind of comedy that came out of the 50s and early 60s Monty Python developed out of that. It doesn't translate always into posts you know in the like you know you know 2000s America and you know once again if they I think if they tweaked it, they set in different time period like they normally do for a lot of I mean we should point out Big Lebowski comes out in 98. it's set in 91, which if you remember early 91, by 93, that's a whole, like, culture had massively changed in those two years. So it's, it's another case where they're playing, with the fact that it's, when you have these weird time periods, you can play around with this. 1998, you know, that was kind of, you know, I was in college then. It was kind of a, it was the beginning of the nothing really matters period. And, you know, I guess they're riffing on nihilism a little bit too. But once again, you have too much in here. It's, it's a blender that didn't blend.
1: Okay, I'm just glancing at the wiki on the other one, and it's just so much better written. As the oblivious Mrs. W. dozes, the criminals cross, double cross, and manage to kill one another in rapid succession. Uh, the major falls off a house being chased. Harry is killed by one round, who, after having a change of heart, wrongly thinks Harry has killed her, so he kills that person. Like, that, them killing each other in comic ways would have been more funny than the karma deaths and the weird slapstick of I'm going to drink the dentures, but I don't even understand what that humor was meant to be because the dentures are still in there. Is it because it was cleaning fluid? Like it just, there was not enough uh, to go on with that. So yeah, uh, this is better. And, and in the end, Mrs. W is left alone with the plunder. She goes to the police to return it, but they don't believe her story. Awesome. They humor her telling to keep the money. She's puzzled, but relents and returns home. Along the way, she leaves a banknote of large denomination with a startled, starving artist. That is better in every way.
0: Exactly. So therein lies the problem. This film is kind of it's very chaotic, but not funny. So I think we can kind of put a pin on this because there's I mean we've talked a lot about a movie we didn't enjoy, which is well, you know, I love about this podcast because you can do that. I mean, I've talked.
1: Taught- oh, yeah. Yeah. So- well, I mean, uh, to do my thing, I'm not really sure what they were trying for. So I can't, in my honest assessment, call it bad. I can just say that I, I I, can't even imagine what they were really trying to do. And if they were trying to do what the other movie did, then they did miss. So I go and call this one bad. I don't think they achieved uh, what they were looking to do And I also question what they were looking to do Because I think they made some very poor choices uh, In terms of making A comedy which I think Is their intention
0: Yeah and they made comedies before They've been very successful Artistically at least the comedies Not maybe always financial But I, I would—I think we can agree this is a bad movie It's a rare for them bad movie Now after this they make No Country for Old Men You know, They developed a they got Cormac McCarthy to give them the rights. They took one of his, you know, a pretty dark book and made a very dark, very celebrated movie. And then they follow that up with uh, A Serious Man, which is another b- extremely black, but also kind of mildly autobiographical film. So they get, and then finally they follow that up with Inside Lewin Davis, which is another one of these. It's a pseudo biography, but it's oh, another, another case of fantastic dark you know, comedy. So I think this is kind of like they looked at what failed and figured out, and you know, basically figured out how to do things from that point on. Oh, yeah. They, they also made Burn After Reading. I always forget they make that one, which is another case where they had an old script. They decided to make it. It's got its own following. I don't think it's a bad movie, but it's one I don't ever bother to, you know, go back to. But it's, you know, we're dealing with the case of they made several, you know, in the 2000s, they were very successful getting movies made. And I think we should praise the, the fact that they, this film kind of gave them interesting t- connections. They get star power, they get, they get whatever they need to be done. So I, I you know, like how you know, Steven Spielberg said 1941 was such a disaster. It made him make he knew how to make Raise the Lost Art so good because he'd done so bad in the other film. This is another example. You do a bad movie, you figure out what you did wrong and you make a 10 times better film. So, uh, you, know, we're, I, you know, I think we covered this enough. So, folks, if you made it through this episode, which I applaud you because the Lord knows we've been talking about a very unusual film that is not well you know, liked and not well constructed, despite the fact they had some very talented people on it. Please hit us up on our Facebook group, Fans of Good, Bad, Nerdy Movie Podcast. If you actually like this movie, please, I want your takes on this. Hit me up on Twitter, you know, Good, Bad, and Nerdy Movie Pod. You know, it's a unique film. I, I know some somebody may like it. I've read some reviews where they had look at look at it differently. I've tried watching it three times; still hasn't worked for me. It's one of the few Coen Brothers movies I don't own. I own a lot of their movies, so uh, and so I guess I don't really know what else to say, Bruce. You have any final thoughts?
1: So, Tom, whatever else I've said, and you know, whatever criticism I've loosed, this one wasn't your fault, Tom.
0: I don't even know whose fault... In another case, whose fault was this film? It's, uh, I think it's the
1: writing. I think they wrote themselves bad, just bad dialogue and a bad sitcom, you know, a bad situation for comedy, not like, yeah, get yeah. the idea. I just think they... Uh, it, literally, they took something that I can read right here in the page, and Wikipedia worked, and they made it into something that wouldn't. And I'm not sure why they did. Like, why don't you have them turn on each other as thieves, like, why don't you do that and let that be the driving force? Why do you need it to be, uh, immaculate slapstick? Yeah, um,
0: and, and I think we all agree just something just wasn't clicking from day one. So, folks, thank you all for listening. I, you know, like I said, it's a rare we, it's so rare we get we would even be covering a bad Coen Brothers film because you think that shouldn't that shouldn't exist, but it does. So, folks, you know, I like I said, we are going to be covering a few more to finish up our Coen Brothers series. Uh, and like I said, we'll be doing Barton Fink and we'll be doing Inside Louis Davis to kind of wrap it up. You know, there's other films we could cover, but I think you know, <clears throat> I decided six is enough, so we'll be going those real sh- uh, soon. Thank you all for listening. And please, if you're going to go to a riverboat casino, just make sure, uh, just make sure you pay, you get it uh, you get it all in digital you know, currency. Don't don't take cash. <laughs> I mean, it's the truth. This could the, uh, that's something I should have pointed out. This gag would never work now because all. <laughs>